David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.56 a.m. January the 15th, 2020. It is a Wednesday. That's hump day. This is episode 181 of Bitcoin, and has anybody checked on either Roger Ver or Peter Schiff? Hmm. How'd y'all enjoy that coaster ride yesterday, brothers and sisters? Because it sure as shit didn't end after I ended the show yesterday morning. My God almighty. It just went on and on and on. And in case you are living under a rock, it would appear that... BSV has flipped Bcash, although uh, just as an aside, I'm looking at BitInfo charts right now, and BSV is actually at a price of 332 Bcash is at 333 so it appears that uh, BSV has gone back below Bcash, but the fight is going to continue for quite a while, I would imagine. <clears throat> Let's start with some community stuff. We need to do some community stuff. I ran across uh, this yesterday, Wallet of Satoshi. That's at Wallet of Satoshi on Twitter, all one word. Uh, One of my more favorite companies. I have Wallet of Satoshi. It's slick. It works. I like it. I use it along with a couple of other ones that I, you know, keep on my phone to test out. And I dig it. I really do. It's nice. But that's not what I'm talking about here. This is a tweet that they put out uh, January on January the 12th, 2020, at 8.27 p.m. Our home country, Australia, is being ravaged by the worst wildfires in decades. We've started a fundraiser here. If you can spare, spare some sats, donate via Lightning Network or, off cha- or on-chain, all funds will go to at Red Cross AU and at Wires underscore NSW, we will show receipts. So uh, the here part of that is a tally coin or tallyco.in uh, fundraiser. And it is forward tally coin or tallyco.in forward slash S as in Sam forward slash L Z S U T Q. Uh, that'll get you right to the page where they are taking donations to kind of help out. I'm not excited about the Red Cross being a recipient <clears throat> of the money because, at least in the United States, the Red Cross has this weird tendency to fly their CEO around in jets and pay him or her, whoever it is at this point, uh, several hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, on record, the Red Cross as an organization has one of the worst ratings when it comes to ratio of dollars in versus dollars going to whatever X cause there is uh, that that you can possibly see. Even the Salvation Army gets way better marks than the Red Cross. Um, but, you know, 
Walter Satoshi, the guys over there are doing the right thing by, you know, well, maybe not the right thing. I think it's the right thing. But go support them. You know, even if some of the money is going to end up in the hands of the Red Cross, uh, you know, at least they're trying. The wallet, you know, they're the wallet is Satoshi guys giving back to their homeland. And again, yesterday I learned that wallet is Satoshi is based out of Australia. Okay, this one I found this one like 15 minutes. Okay, no, we'll say 30 minutes ago. The Bitcoin transaction monitor from mempool.observer, not mempool.space, which is what I usually use to look at the mempool. No, this is the mempool.observer. And again, the name of this thing is the Bitcoin transaction monitor. Uh, It's a really slick little interface that connects to this guy's node. I'll get into who this guy is here in a little bit. Um, He uh, looks at all the transactions because he's running a full node. And parsing that data out into a visual representation of transactions on the y-axis is essentially how many fees in sats per byte a transaction was made and across the x-axis as normal is the timeline. And then uh, it's segmented into the blocks in which each one of these transactions occurred into. The size of the dots are... Uh, adjustable by certain parameters. In this particular case, the size of the dots uh, is just the is basically just the size is what it says. But it's, there's a drop down on this that you can adjust that and say that you want the radius to be uniform where there's nothing, and you want the uh, in this particular case the size is just the size of how many Bitcoin are in that transaction. But you can modify that and say that you want the size to be den- uh, denoted by the inputs or the outputs or inputs and outputs or inputs per outputs, stuff like that. And you can also highlight, you can use a f- uh, fee rate estimator to kind of uh, help filter. There's another set of filters as to like if you want to see SegWit spending or you don't want to see SegWit spending. Uh, you can either see or not see replaced by f- what's going on replaced by fee. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them. There's like it looks like there's about 15, maybe 16 different separate filters on, uh, there's like, Oh God, there's 10 separate filters on just the inputs. Another 10 filters on just the outputs, like paying to P two W P K H or paying to P two P K H. You can turn those off. You can turn those on. And then the plot when you're looking at it is a multicolored plot that just basically and you and when you drag your mouse over each one of these transactions you can see the information about those transactions the only thing that i wish you would do is give me the ability to look at dates like what date did a block occur at instead of knowing the block height or block number whatever you want to do being able to search by like to the day all the blocks that came through that day why? Well, I was in a discussion on Twitter yesterday with somebody who was um, with one of the one of the buds, one of the plebs that uh, we were talking about how cool it would be, and it was Guy Swana. Yeah, it was it was Guy Swana. We were talking back and forth about historical blocks, like on this block, you know, this block was cut during this day, and on this day X happened, and like I think it's like block number 300 or 393,400 ended up being on the uh 
the 14th of January in 2016. And that's when Mike Kern did his rage quit. And we were thinking how fun it would be if on the initial, or I was thinking about how fun it would be on the initial block download, historical meaning or, you know, historical blocks that have meaning when they come across the, like on your screen, if you're like monitoring by screen as to what the block download is, it would say on, on this block, X happened, my current rage quit or Segwit 2X was, 2X was activated, something like that. Anyway, no, this is mempool.observer. And this is again the Bitcoin transaction monitor, and I'll just gonna, I'm just going to read what he what he says. It's a, it's pretty brief. Whenever you, an exchange, or somebody else sends a Bitcoin transaction, it gets broadcasted to all nodes in the Bitcoin network. Each broadcast transaction is represented by a dot on the scatter plot below. The transactions are arranged on the x-axis by the time of arrival at my Bitcoin node. Y-axis represents the fee rate, fee per size the transaction pays. The plot reveals activity patterns of wallets, exchanges, and users transacting on the Bitcoin network. Some patterns are only visible on certain days or at certain times. To reduce the noise, you can apply filters, set the dot radius, and highlight transactions based on their properties. Additionally, fee rate estimates from various sources can be overlaid. Hovering over a transaction reveals more information about that transaction and clicking open a new tab with the transaction in a blockchain explorer. I've written an FAQ addressing some additional questions you might have. So go check it out, man. Mempool.observer. Again, that's mempool.observer. Moving on. Oh, uh, actually in the same vein, the guy behind mempool.observer is at 0xb one zero C at zero X B one zero C. He's a software engineer and a freelancer and he likes Bitcoin. And apparently he's in Germany. That's all I got on that one, but he does have a website B 10 C dot me, a German Bitcoin freelancer and developer. So there you go. He's the guy behind what we were just talking about the transaction monitor. Um, on up, we have, I just ran into, and I've known about Crypto Cloaks for a while. If you don't, at Crypto Cloaks on Twitter, they have <clears throat> been building or basically 3D printing uh, cases for Raspberry Pis and other, you know, particular nodes um, and a couple of, you know, a few other things. One of the uh, newest things that came up is their point of sale case called The Quickening. Uh, it's an open source POS case designed by BTC Socialist. Crypto, Cryptonobo, Crypto, Cryptonobo. Yeah, Cryptonobo and Crypto Cloaks. They all kind of threw in together. The reason I'm bringing this up is that today I learned that three of their uh, 3D print files are available for free download. And that includes the Raspy Blitz OS for the RPi4, the point of sale thing that's called the quickening and a lightning bolt keychain, and you can just download the file and print the shit out on your own 3D printer if you have that. Again, that's at Crypto Cloaks on Twitter, at Crypto Cloaks <clears throat> on the Twatter. Okay, P Tech. Uh, her name is at Radar Rain. A R D A R R A Y N E. Uh, she is working on a piece of art that has been kind of commissioned by Plan B. 
Plan B is that dude that says that if you're holding even a smattering of Satoshis, you're going to be filthy freaking rich because stock to flow. Yeah, he's got the stock to flow model. Anyway, um, his art, or not his art, uh, his plots uh, are rather colorful and they're kind of cool looking. So he's got sort of a visual flair, but even Plan B himself wanted something more. So he's commissioned an artist again, uh, Radar Rain, to actually do one of his plots as a piece of art. And she released a picture of it today. She says, Plan B said it needed to look moonish. What do you think? Is this moonish enough? And I won't describe the picture. You can go uh, see it in my uh, curated Twitter timeline for the show. Uh, I always include that in the show notes. Just look for curated Twitter timeline, also known as the Morning Roundup. Uh, I just put everything that I do, and whether it's Terrible Joke Corner or Daily Train Wrecked, everything goes into my curated Twitter timeline for the show. Anyway, it's a beautiful piece. She's done a, an amazing job on converting raw data into something that I would love to hang on my wall. And if I had the money, I would commission Radar Rain to do a piece for me. I told her today that if I had the cash, I'd commission her to do a piece of uh, the overview of the aftermath of the meteor slamming into the earth in the Cretaceous period that wiped out all the freaking dinosaurs and have a big smoldering Bitcoin symbol right in the center of the impact crater. Um, I don't have the money for that, but that would be freaking awesome. I would so hang that on my wall. Wouldn't even be funny. Let's get into vitals. Okay, bitinfocharts.com has Bitcoin at a price of 8785 Looks like we're going to, is that going to be the high? That's going to be the high. We've got a low over at GDAX at 8734 so pretty damn tight trading range there. 340,000 transactions have been made in the last 24 hours, bringing us to about 14,000 transactions per hour on average. 1.7 million BTC were sent in that last 24 hours, and that is high. As of late, man, we've been sub 1 million BTC being sent. So all of a sudden, we're damn near at 10% uh, of the entire market cap of Bitcoin being actually traded hands in the last 24 hours. That is 73,000 BTC being sent per hour every hour on average. 5.19 BTC is the average transaction value and 0.04 is the median. That brings us to 350 bucks USD. Block time is low at nine minutes, seven seconds. Wonder why? Yep, that'd be why. Um, 0.19 BTC is being taken in fees on a per block basis. 30 BTC have been taken in fees over the last 24 hours in total. We have an 11% increase in the hash rate. We are now at 106 exahashes per second. Last commit to the GitHub core repository for Bitcoin was done sometime today. 
Ethereum at 162, Bcash has now flipped B, uh, BSV again on my charts. 326.62, Shitcoin BSV. Actually, they're both shitcoins. What am I talking about? The the crappier of the two is BSV, and that has now dropped to 309 bucks. Looks like they're losing their ass. Litecoin is at 57 bucks. Ethereum Classic is at 7.2. And Dogecoin got hosed, 0.0024, but still with 20, uh, 34,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, walking all up and down, Litecoin only. Oh, well, you can't have everything. We are only four blocks deep into the mempool. Uh, that's 5,600, oh, just turned over 5,720 unconfirmed transactions. Everything is above a meg. Uh, Lightning Network, we are now 11,053 nodes. We have 35,640 channels. There's 861 BTC in the network. That really hasn't changed at all. Um, we have nine new nodes that came online in the 24 hours, representing an 80% increase in the number of new nodes being put online in the hour. And we have 104 brand spanking new channels. That is 10.5% increase over the last 24 hours. That's vitals. Craig Fright reveals further details on $8 billion Bitcoin stash. Oh God. Okay. This is out of decrypt.co. Now there's an update that I'm going to read after this, but let's just get into this one because this one was released uh, on the, or, or today, actually, this is by decrypt uh, the staff over at decrypt. Twist number three in the latest continually unfolding Craig Wright drama after nearly a year of Dave Kleeman's estate trying to gauge the extent of Wright's Bitcoin holdings. They have finally been revealed. <laughs> yeah, just wait. Just just chill out. <clears throat> As Decrypt reported yesterday, Wright notified the court, quote, that a third party has provided the necessary information and key slice to unlock the encrypted file. And Dr. Wright has produced a list of his Bitcoin holdings. By third party, he was referring to the mysterious bonded courier that the court had been skeptical about. However, in a court filing issue today, the estate of Dave Kleeman has revealed that Wright submitted 16,404 addresses that he purportedly owns. Quote, on January the 14th, 2019, Craig filed a notice with the court claiming he's complied with Judge Reinhardt's order and provided plaintiffs with a list of his Bitcoin public addresses. <clears throat> The document produced by Craig is simply a list of 16,404 addresses. Craig, however, did not provide any information on the bonded courier, the company he or she worked for, when he or she came, or the message delivered, the plaintiff's motion states. 
Craig Wright, or, or sorry, Wright claims to have invented Bitcoin under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, which, if true, would grant him access to the inventor's vast Bitcoin stash mined in the early days of the protocol. For his for this fortune, he is being sued by Ira Kleeman, the brother of Wright's late supposed business partner, Dave Kleeman, who believes that the Kleeman estate is entitled to half of it. <laughs> Wright doesn't want to outright deny in this case that he is Satoshi, so has insisted throughout the trial that he is and that he's good for the money. But he's been cagey about how the funds can be accessed, allegedly forging documents. That's not allegedly, dude. <laughs> That's not alleged. He forged documents. That court actually smacked him for that. There is no alleged here. Craig Wright forged documents. He did do that thing. He did do it in federal court. He did get caught, and it wasn't only once. Anyway, allegedly forging documents and withdrawing from the planned $4 billion settlement that he was unable to finance. While Wright has made contradictory statements about the encrypted file that at times contains both a list of public addresses and private keys, and at other times is just a list of public addresses, his latest statement on the matter is, quote, As I've explained in court proceedings, I believe I will receive information in January 2020 that will enable us to identify coins I mined into my companies in 2009 and 2010, but cannot be certain that all of that information will in fact arrive. I have not said the private keys to those coins would become available, or if so, actually used. In January 2020, <laughs> God, Jesus, dude, man. Throughout the court case, the Kleeman estate has continually tried to get a measure of the Bitcoin holdings. Wright constantly maintained that he doesn't have access to the list, but that in January 2020, a bonded courier might deliver this list to him. While the court has recommended that Wright hand over half of his Bitcoin holdings, a later ruling granted him an extension to wait and see if this bonded courier would arrive. Now that the information has been delivered, Kleeman's estate has asked for more time. Having, oh, sorry, quote, having had a chance to reflect and consider these issues, plaintiffs now seek a 90-day extension of the discovery cutoff. Jesus, never going to end, as well as a corresponding extension of the trial date and corresponding pre-trial deadlines, the motion states. If the motion is passed, the trial would not start until at least June 15th, 2020, people. Kleeman's lawyers want to use the time to look over the court documents and find out more details about the bonded courier. They want to be allowed to ask seven pointed questions, interrogatories or interrogatories about the courier's emergence of which Wright and his lawyers have revealed little. If, as the lawyers think, the mysterious figure, quote, from the shadows, has all the answers, what if he is Satoshi? The bonded courier is Satoshi. That's awesome. Okay, so again, this is Decrypt. Now, Decrypt made an addendum not to that particular story, but to a earlier story, Story I think yesterday talking about this shit. Anyway, here's the correction that Decrypt.co made. Correction. Craig Wright has not received the private keys to his Bitcoin stash. The encrypted file that has been unlocked contains a list of Bitcoin holdings, not the private keys necessary to access those holdings. The debate in court has been over this list, which Wright has now produced to the court. So it's very important. The pump that BSV saw and, well, they saw this massive pump. Everything pumped yesterday. Even My God, even Bitcoin gold and Bitcoin diamond pumped 
yesterday. It was disgusting, freaking reprehensible. Y'all should be ashamed of yourselves. My God. Anyway, a lot of people were saying that the private keys had been delivered and the FOMO was real and a bunch, you know, a bunch of people bought big, heavy, giant bags. They were not the private keys. It's just a list of public addresses, y'all. And I love the fact that it ends in 404. I believe a 404 error in the in uh, internet speak is not found. Is he doing that on pro- I don't know. I don't give a shit what he's doing. In either event, <clears throat> the FOMO was real. I think it's going to have caused a lot of people to lose a shit ton of money. Uh, I think it's going to be my cover art today that shows the candle. It's an enormous wick down. It's still stabilized in the green as a candle, but we're talking about like order of magnitude change from where it was to the highest price that it got to on that particular hour. And what's funny is that if you drill down into that chart on this on this one candle, if you get into it, it's not on the hour. It's not on 30 minutes. It's not on 15. It's not on five. One minute. If you drill down into your trading view and you granularize this thing enough and look deep, deep, deep into it, you're going to find that all of that action happened on a one-minute candle. Somebody, somebody needs to speak up about this shit because that's complete and utter bullshit. A one-minute candle wiped out over, I think it was over three quarters of the entirety of that candle. And that candle candle rose and fall inside of 60 freaking seconds on something like 17,000 coins. Sorry, man, or something around there. We're talking a lot of coins in 60 seconds. I'm telling you guys, it's very, very, very dangerous dealing with any of the shit coins, but this one in particular is extraordinarily toxic. You want to talk about toxic, dude, BSV, way toxic. Getting into other brands of toxicity, let's talk about the brand of toxicity that is Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff's Bitcoin $1,000 prediction falls flat as gold drops 4%. William Suberg, writing for Cointelegraph sometime yesterday, Bitcoin rising above 8,500 appears to have left gold proponent Peter Schiff with egg on his face after he predicted its imminent downfall to $1,000. Data from Cointelegraph Markets and Precious Metal Monitors Kitco showed that while Bitcoin has gained 7.5% over the week, gold has conversely slipped 4%. After reaching highs of $1,610 on January the 8th, gold has fallen dramatically, trading at $1,546 as of press time on Tuesday. The trend is all the more conspicuous to cryptocurrency supporters coming at a time when geopolitical upheaval centered on Iran seemed to buoy Bitcoin price performance. While not everyone agrees, a commonly held theory suggests that both Bitcoin and gold benefit from such political instability. Their, uh, sorry, their correlation, as Cointelegraph previously noted, now looks much less convincing. Quote, for a time being, it appears on the daily candle chart that a retracement down should occur due to the metal being overbought. Kitco quoted analyst at Swiss-based trader Dukascopy. <laughs> Dukascopy. Dukascopy? I'm going to say Dukascopy. That sounds better. 
as saying on Monday. They added that gold could drop further to support at 1500 in the short term. The underwhelming progress of gold piles added pressure on those who privileged the precious metal over Bitcoin. Schiff, a well-known crypto detractor, said in November the BTC-USD pair was exhibiting a so-called head-and-shoulders price pattern and would soon drop to just $1,000, its lowest since early 2017. Quote, the right shoulder is now shrugged and the neckline slanted and parallel to the shoulders if it breaks the price objective for the dump is $1,000 to complete the pattern, he claimed on November 21st, when the pair traded around 7800 Not only has the omen not come true, but it is Bitcoin which has already firmly beaten gold as an investment opportunity just two weeks into the new year. Just days before 2020 began, Schiff had complained that Bitcoin was the only asset not rallying. So... If somebody hasn't checked on Peter Schiff, we may want to do that, slip the suicide hotline note under his door. And for those that are, you know, triggered by what I just said, get a life. Come on, man. We've got to be able to at least talk. (laughs) I've got to be able to say things and do stuff without always getting in trouble. Like, I can't remember the actor's name right now, who shook Trump's hand and is now probably going to lose his career because he shook Trump's hand. (laughs) There's so many bussies out there in the world. Blockchain firm Bitfury partners with UN on Forest Project in Kazakhstan. This is Mary Hewlett writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Bitcoin development firm Bitfury is set to partner with the United Nations Development Program on a project to conserve and increase Kazakhstan's forest land. As the Astana Times reported on January the 14th, the project aims to help the country reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by 15% over the coming decade to meet its commitments of the 2016 Paris Agreement. Bitfury and the UNDP are poised to sign an agreement later this month with the Kazakh Ministry of Ecology, Geology, and Natural Resources to create a forest land in the nation's Pavlodar region. Pavlodar? Pavlodar. I'm going to say Pavlodar. The project will start with the goal of creating 20 hectares that will consume the carbon dioxide generated by the local coal-powered electricity providers to fuel Bitfury's operations. It is hoped that this will offset Bitfury's carbon footprint by 100 to 110%. I believe that 20 hectares is going to be under, it's certainly going to be under 100 acres for those of us in America. I think a hectare is 2.2 acres. So, 50, let's say 50 to 60 acres is what they're talking about. Not all that big. That's like the back 40 when you buy a section of land and somebody talk, which is about a thousand acres, it's one square mile. So it ends up being like 1,060 acres when you do the math. So the back 40 is kind of where you, I don't know, you put all your gear and stuff like that. It's not all that big. 40 acres to me would be freaking huge. But back in the day when farmers had like Mondo amounts of land, 40 acres, not all that big. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up because I, you know, Bitcoin or the Bitcoin bit fury is doing some other stuff, you know, and it's, it's nice. It's nice to see him branching out. I don't know about this whole reducing greenhouse gas thing. Um, I suspect that there's probably something more about more going on in Kazakhstan than just saving forests and hugging trees and shit like that, at least for Bitfury. Um, if I remember right, uh, the one of the, the founder, I think but maybe both of the founders are from uh, uh, Central Europe. 
uh, or not Central, Eastern Europe. Um, Central to South, I'm not, I'm trying to figure out exactly geolot or a uh, um, uh, God oh, is way too early. Sorry, geographical, geographical location of Kazakhstan. In either event, it's possible that the guys that start a bit fury are from there or from like, you know, a region close to there. That I could understand. If they're not, then maybe there's, you know, other reasons to do all this stuff to save 60 hectares of forest or 60 acres of forest. Seems a little odd, but there it is anyway. Maduro orders state-run firm to sell 4.5 million barrels of oil for Petro. This is Helen Parts, Cointelegraph, two hours ago. Venezuela will soon sell oil from reserves of a state-run oil and gas company for its national oil-ped cryptocurrency, the Petro. Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro signed a decree to sell 4.5 million barrels of oil from the certified 30 million barrel reserve maintained by Petroleum of Venezuela, the state-owned company officially announced on January the 14th. According to PDVSA, Maduro announced the news in a speech before the Constituent National Assembly, an assembly elected in 2017 to draft a new constitution for Venezuela. Once the initial sale of 4.5 million barrels is completed, the firm will sell 50,000 barrels per day, denominated in Petros as an exploration mechanism for the oil-backed stablecoin. Maduro said that the trial will be vital for the consolidation of Petros, stating, quote, we are preparing for the second phase that will allow more efficient use of cryptocurrency, end quote. Moreover, Maduro has also decreed that all airplane fuel used for covering international routes should be sold for Petros. The president reportedly said that this scheme will allow Venezuela to open roads to the new economy and build a world of peace and integration of peoples, their happiness and improvement, end quote. Maduro said that the Petro will be an important tool for the country's fight against the mafia. Mybort Petit, a Venezuelan writer and journalist, quoted Maduro as saying, quote, a lot of people don't want to switch to the Petro because they have their businesses and dollars. Mafia, or mafia, however you want to pronounce it, and other thieves don't like cryptocurrency because it cuts off their hands. That's an interesting take. I have to explore that a little bit more, I guess. I don't know. Actually, I just explored it in my mind for the 10 seconds I was thinking about it and have come to this, the following conclusion. Mafia doesn't give a shit. Mafia has been figuring out how to rankle value, no matter what it looks like, out of the people, corporations, whatever, for centuries. I don't think cryptocurrency is going to cut off their hands. It may slow them down a little bit, but uh, I wouldn't count them out. Nope, not not for a bit. Anyway, some commentators have taken to Twitter to oppose Maduro's plan, claiming that the Petro is a robbery disguised under 4.5 million barrels. Some argued that selling oil from the country's national reserves, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, uh, uh, selling oil from the country's national reserves violates the Constitution of Venezuela. As reported by Cointelegraph in November of 2019, Maduro purportedly cut the Petro's backing from 5 billion barrels of oil to 30 million. The sharp de decline was allegedly a result of the United States sanctions on PDVSA. Launched in February 2018, the Petro became blah, blah, blah. We all know the story about the Petro. It's a shit coin. And it was actually, if not the first, it was one of the very first, but I'm pretty sure it was the first example of nation state shit coinery that we have. 
also you should understand that when it first came out, it was supposedly backed. And as far as I know, still is backed, not by oil that Venezuela, quote unquote, has. Potential oil that they can get their hands on if they drill, develop, do exploration in the future. That's what's supposedly backing this pile of garbage. The problem is, is that reservoir engineers, although much better than they have been in the past, are notoriously off the mark by sometimes almost an order of magnitude as to how much oil is actually in the freaking ground. And I don't blame them. I, I don't blame the reservoir engineers. How the hell can you estimate that which you cannot see? I mean, whatever. In either event, the chances of Venezuela being able to touch any of this supposed oil in the ground, it's there. We know there's a shit ton there. Can they get to it? Because if they cannot get to it, if they can't drill, if they can't get the engineers, if they don't have the know-how, they used to, but that's kind of iffy nowadays. So it all boils down to whether or not they can get to the oil to back this. And even then... I doubt this thing is going to be anything but a laughing stock for the crypto community for years to come <sighs> like this. SEC warns investors, IEOs or initial exchange offerings are a no-go. No-go for IEO. A helpful tip. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Who's this? This is Jeff Benson writing yesterday for Decrypt.co. A helpful tip from the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission to cryptocurrency projects. You'll have to do more than swap out a letter to make your token offering safe. The SEC today urged prospective cryptocurrencies investors to use caution before putting their money into IEOs. It noted that the online trading platforms that offered them were often not registered with the SEC, oh no, and may not have done their, quote, due diligence before listing the coin. The federal agency have given similar warnings in the past with regard to ICOs. And it explains what ICOs are, and I'm not going to get into that one. But initial exchange offerings promise to be different. Instead of companies selling their own tokens, a cryptocurrency exchange would do it for them. This put a perceived stamp of approval on the coin because it guaranteed that the tokens could be traded on that exchange. Binance Launchpad and Bitfinex token sales are two examples of IEO platforms. One problem, however, is that some of the coins still just aren't worth anything. And that's what the SEC is worried about. In today's investor alert, it wrote, quote, claims of new technologies and financial products such as those associated with digital asset offerings and claims that IEOs are vetted by trading platforms can be used improperly to entice investors, retirees, uh, with the false promise of high returns in a new investment space. Moreover, it noted that some of the IEOs may still be unregistered securities, the registration process requires companies to disclose certain things about the product and the business to investors. Without it, investors may be flying blind. The SEC suggests investors follow two rules of thumb. Stay away from an IEO that doesn't discuss federal securities laws. Conversely, it says, quote, be careful if the promoter of the IEO or the digital trading platform hosting the IEO states that they are approved or registered with the SEC. There is no such thing as an SEC-approved IEO. 
The SEC delivers a final warning about overseas IEOs, noting that if the IEO is being offered to a person in the United States, such as through a website or online trading platform that is based overseas, then the federal securities laws still may apply. May? My ass. They will apply. (laughs) They will. There is no may about that shit. However, token purchasers in such overseas offerings may have little legal recourse if fraud sinks their investment. So SEC taking a giant dump on IEOs and, you know, clearly IEOs are just as much bullshit as ICOs. You can change every single letter in there from ICO to the HAL 9000. I don't know, but it's still bullshit. And it's going to get you wrecked and you're going to lose your money and stay away from anything that isn't Bitcoin. I'm serious. Seriously, guys, you're going to get wrecked. Just, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, let's see here. We're going to skip that one and go into, oh God, I, 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 I have to. I started with Craig Fright. I'm going to end with Craig Fright. Bitcoin SV prepares for heavy correction. How low will it go? This is Christine Vasileva writing for Bitcoinist.com. Christine seems to have a rather soft place in her heart for BSV. I don't know why, but I was looking through her, all the stuff that she's written, and there's a lot of BSV stuff in there. Normally, I wouldn't read this kind of crap, but, you know, shit. Since the BSV circus is, has has primed its pump and popcorn is being shared all around, I figure why not? BSV is flying high and stacking sats. Sorry. Yeah, I read that before when I was prepping for the show. Let me just go ahead and address that shit right now. Christine, be better. Stacking sats has nothing to do with anything other than Bitcoin. Not BSV, not BCH, not Bitcoin Gold, not Bitcoin Diamond, not even Bitcoin Rhodium. And if I remember, we'll talk about that here in a sec. Continuing, with prices breaking all-time records, BSV, the asset that appeared as a fork of 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 of Bitcoin, I, I said that, she didn't, has fulfilled its promise to do something spectacular in 2020. Now the coin is still near peak prices, but how long can this rally survive is anyone's guess. Bitcoin SV asset Sorry, I'm just going to say BSV. BSV asset may be in for heavy correction, sinking to a lower price level. The big, uh, the Bitcoin forked coin reached prices of three hundred and fifty-three fifty on volumes above seven billion in twenty-four hours. This is the first significant significant recovery for the coin after smaller rallies in the past year. For the first time, BSV has managed to gain attention attention of FOMO buyers going to get wrecked, achieving outlandish gains after prolonged bear market. Crypto commenters are already envisioned the fate of the coin coming after this rally. Uh, Flabby Wolf says BSV going to dump so hard, but such rallies boosted by spot market activity may be short lived. Now the BSV market may have to absorb sellers attempting to liquidate as well as possibly concerted attacks to bring the price down. One of the reasons BSV may face challenges is that the project has attracted the ire of the crypto community and even the current pump is not appealing enough to grant credibility. It never will. Nothing this thing can do is going to give it credibility. God, what? 
Hence, accidental BSV whales from the BTC space or BCH owners may have enough coins to extinguish the rally. BSV may end up returning to pre-rally levels or at least shed much of the stratospheric gains. BSV is also trading with price anomalies going as high as $423 on Trade Satoshi, a small, low-reputation exchange. The price is only $201 on CoinSuper, another niche market. But the other worrying sign is the sinking of volumes on OKX. Currently, Buybox, a relatively new exchange, is among the leading BSV markets. If activity ceases on those markets or turns out to be bot-driven, the correction will be even steeper. BSV proponents still believe this pump is a logical consequence of the organic support for the project, which will keep challenging the status quo. This one tweet, they include a tweet from crypto rebel underscore SV BCH slash core narrative. BSV is delisted on many big exchanges. So it's easy to manipulate and pump and dump. So the price is fake reality. BSV is succeeding despite delist campaigns and other attacks because it is the real Bitcoin, and has the spirit of the honey badger. <laughs> Jesus. But others see the move as an orchestrated pump, which has been tested in the past for BSV. In addition to this, the network has flexed by boosting its transaction count. At the same time, miners have supported block production for months at a loss and have kept most of their coins. Attempting to sell now and recover the losses may trigger the price cash uh, crash. BSV has also caused an all-market altcoin rally, sparking faster appreciation in most of the leading coins, but the anomaly will have to show its real source, and the BSV most common or see the event as a pump and dump. Okay, all righty. So um, BSV, as everybody knows, pumped freaking hard yesterday, man. Way hard, and it looks like it's. I don't know. Let's see. Let's let's take a look at this thing. Mm, yeah, it's sitting at zero point three seven. So it's it's shed even below its. Uh, let's see, January four. Yeah, it's yesterday's massive candle that occurred at nine a.m. Uh, UTC. Anyway, <clears throat> or nine nine o'clock UTC, whatever the hell that is. Um, yeah. Uh, again, guys. Don't. There's something way unorganic about this. I mean, they're saying it's organic, but no, it's not. Everything about this is just ridiculous. Uh, a couple of uh, uh, mentions here. I'm going to say, I'm going to at least go with this one. Okay. Bitwise has withdrawn their Bitcoin ETF application with, with the SEC. That was today. So anybody who was thinking that a Bitwise ETF was on the horizon, uh, nah, it's now dashed. Although I heard something earlier today that there's, I don't know, some kind of, they brought some kind of talking head out on CNBC that gives an ETF in 2020 a 60% chance of coming online. Who knows? You got Brian Kelly who told people to buy Ripple at the top, then turned around and told him to sell it at the bottom. <laughs> Idiots. There's your morning roundup.
right, continuing with Neil Peart week, uh, I want to talk about his reading list. Neil Peart was an avid reader of everything. I mean, everything, dude. This guy, he would he never went to a show without a stack of books. And that's what he did. Again, these guys were not, they weren't doing drugs and they weren't partying. It wasn't like all, it wasn't hookers and blow for these guys. They were really about the music. They were probably, when you got, if you get right down to it, they were probably the most boring backstage band ever. They got high. They smoked hash and pot and shit like that. But, you know, man, they didn't get into the, like I said, they didn't get into the whole rock and roll shit. And this is funny too, because one of the things that catapulted their career was the fact that Gene Simmons from Kiss, he heard them. And was like, they were putting together one of like their 1970s tour. It was one of their biggest tours ever. And it was really famous and it was really long. And Gene's like, I want these guys opening for us. So they, that Kiss's manager or or A&R people or whoever does that kind of thing went out and got Rush and Rush started touring to open for Kiss, one of the biggest bands in the United States and the world at that time. And they toured with him for like a year, maybe more. I don't know. It was a big tour, man. It was like, you know, like dozens and dozens and dozens of towns. Um, anyway, it was, they were talking to like, I saw an interview with like Gene Simmons and I like, think Peter Chris, the, the, one of the front or the front man for, for kiss. And they were like, dude, while we were partying our ass off, these guys were going to bed at like 10 o'clock. And at one point or another, I think it was somewhere in the interview that they thought that they, somebody, maybe some people in KISS thought that they might be gay. I don't know. I remember that actually being said. And that's like, that was never true. They actually all, they were all married. Pert, or, uh, Pert was married twice because he lost his wife or, you know, earlier, like in the 90s, and he got married again. So, and that was the thing. They weren't, they didn't have like, you know, all these girlfriends and were like, you know, doing all the stuff that rock and roll people do, you know, or that a lot, the, the, the lore of the backstage hotel rock and roll thing that the lore of that never happened with these guys. It happened with kiss and several other bands, but these guys, they just go to bed or in Parrot's case, read a shit ton of books. And I'm looking at his, his reading list. He, let me explain this to you. This is from the New York Public Library's website, and it's uh, by Billy Parrott, Associate Director, Mid-Manhattan Library at 42nd Street of the New York Public Library. Anyway, he says, the Neil Parrott reading list. This is, out, this is November the 5th, 2012. So he, what he says about it is, um, as, a libert- as a librarian, I'm always fascinated to learn what books are the favorites of certain individuals. If you're familiar with Rush's music, there are certain books such as The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and the works of Ayn, R- Ayn Rand that you'd expect to find on Neil Parrott's bookshelf. But what else is there? Lucky for us, Neil Parrott maintains Bubba's Book Club, a section of his website where he provides profound and insightful reviews of recently read fiction or nonfiction. His reviews for Jimmy Buffett's A Salty Piece of Land will make you laugh out loud his comments on david foster wallace's uh and or wallace and virginia wolf are thought-provoking take a look at his reviews you will not be disappointed below i have collected all of the books mentioned 
or reviewed by Neil Parrott on his site with links to the library's catalog. I've also included links to his reviews, blah, 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 blah. So, and then the, the list of books. This thing, I got to scroll. I'm talking probably about, I don't know, there's probably at least 100 books on here. I'll read some of some of the uh, uh, things that he would read. Humboldt's Gift, The Adventures of Augie March. Sadly, I don't like Kevin J. Anderson, but apparently he's got Scattered Sons, Metal Swarm, and Resurrection by Kevin J. Anderson on his list. Uh, the Book of Ten Nights and a Night by John Barth. Uh, the, Brother, the Brothers Karamazov by Fedor Dostoevsky. And my favorite by Dostoevsky is Crime and Punishment. If you haven't read Crime and Punishment, dude, do it. Also, probably need to read uh, Don Quixote by Cervantes. Uh, if you haven't read Don Quixote, you're missing out, dude. A lot of people say it's, you know, it's 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 a tragedy. Well, there's some tragic events in it, but it's a comedy. I think it's actually more of a comedy than a tragedy. If you haven't read Don, uh, Don, uh, Don Quixote, you got to do it. Also, Crime and Punishment. Dostoevsky's master, dude, a master. Uh, the Brothers, How Are We Hungry, A Hologram for the King, Middlemarch, Nightwoods, Brighton Rocks, Our Lady of the Forest, The Garden of Eden, Pike's Folly, High Fidelity, A Prayer. I'm just like, dude, it just goes on and on. The story of my life, there's a trick with a knife I'm learning to do. Coming Through Slaughter, The English Patient, The Cat's Table, The Motorcycle Chums Out of Northwest Patrol, Darkness Visible, a memoir of madness. I mean, the guy goes everywhere, like fiction, nonfiction. One of the things that he does do is um, he, on his website, I was reading it because uh, it was linked here, um, was that he uh, reviews, tries to read and reviews every single book, fiction or nonfiction, that was written by a fellow musician. That hence why Jimmy Buffett's A Salty Piece of Land is actually on his list. And he gave it a pretty good review after ribbon Jimmy Buffett a few times. I think he said a, a, he may have made a couple of uh, jabs at being a parrot head. And if you don't know what a parrot head is, don't worry about it. Anyway, don't worry about it. This is La Via Strontiago from Rush. <laughs>
Daily Train Wrecked brought to you by Mike Dudas. Dudas is, has made the Daily Train Wrecked. This may be his second appearance. Anyway, good Lord. Mike says, I talked with a normal investor today who said, quote, wow, you folks in the cryptocurrency space are really killing one another and making it uninvestable. Do you think that's going to stop anytime soon? And he gives a poll. I'm not going to do the sound effect just yet because I need to rephrase this. All right, let me, let me go ahead and rephrase this. I talked to 0.0000000014285.7% of the world's population. And he said, Bitcoin is uninvestable because you're ending each other's lives on Twitter. Gee, mom, I, I talked to a guy and he said... I should do, I, what, I talked to, a. first of all, I talked to one guy. Second of all, what the hell is normal investor? What is that? What, what, this smoldering pile right here has a special place in hell from, uh, or basically from the, extending from the fact that it's lunacy. You talk to one guy. And this guy, this normal invest, if he's a normal investor, he has absolutely no idea who's killing who. I, I guess if I wanted to salvage any part of this, I'd have to extend myself to the following uh, reading of this. That the killing yourselves in the cryptocurrency space may mean that one cryptocurrency is leaping over the other one. And and then going back down again, and it's just leapfrog after leapfrog after leapfrog. If that's the case, and that's what the gentleman normal investor guy meant, then I have to agree. But then again, if you've been listening to the show or had or anybody else's show that I've been on, I've been on a couple, I've said the same thing, and I, I say the same thing that I say today. If anything overtakes Bitcoin, the whole space is lost. Because at that point, you won't know where to put your money. You won't know what piece of technology to use. <clears throat> the fact that these things are overtaking each other by leaps and bounds, like the whole BSV, uh, BCH battle that's going on right now, where they're flipping each other like it's watching two eagles fuck in flight. Because if you've ever seen that, you know what I'm talking about. Go look for it. Two eagles mating in flight. They link together way high up, and then they look like they're all going to crash to the ground until finally they split off. Still, though, it's not pretty to watch. And again, this brings up my whole point. My whole point behind this is that for everybody who's holding a bag of garbage, wishing that your particular bag will overtake Bitcoin, the actual one, BTC, all you're doing is pouring gas on yourself and readying the match. That's all you're doing. 99.99% of this shit in this space is just that shit, which makes this space shit. I hate to admit it. Actually, I, you know, I don't hate to admit it. It's just the truth. Most of this is garbage. Most of this is designed to steal your money. 
That's not Bitcoin's fault. That's the fault of people who don't care about anything but getting rich and doing anything they can to anybody they can to lessen the amount of time they have to wait to get rich. Fuck them. There's nothing about those people that I find even remotely worthwhile. The carbon in their bodies would be best served as heat on my grill for cooking a frickin' steak. I hate to be that like inhuman about it, but I actually do not care at all about people who will spend their days and their nights convincing ignorant people to give them their money because it's the next Bitcoin. All of you need to go to hell. Sorry, there's your smoldering pile. Terrible joke. I thought my dad spent all his savings on an expensive wig, but one look and I realized it was a small price to pay. <laughs> yeah, that's Dad Says Jokes at Dad Says Jokes on Twitter. Ah, uh, God, Dad, that's just getting pretty bad. Okay. So uh, it's uh, Wednesday. It's hump day. Hope you guys are having a wonderful hump day, even though you're two days away from the weekend. Actually, three if you include all day today. Um, the We're going to see weirdness. I've been saying this for a while, but continue to understand that weirdness is just part of what we're going to be witnessing, and there's no end to it. Uh, just like I... Cannot stand shit coins. I have to come to the conclusion that they will forever be with us and they will forever be yipping like the small dog at your heels. Um, and they're never going to shut up and it's, they're always going to be annoying. And the people that follow and, and hold bags are going to be annoying and there's just nothing to be done about it. If they're going to get wrecked, then they're going to get wrecked. I, I'm coming very close to just not telling anybody anything anymore because I, what it's not, it's not worth my time any longer. And I'll be accused of, well, you should be doing more to educate the the public. I've tried and I've gotten shit for it. All of us have all of us. We, we keep saying the same thing over and over. You don't trade this shit and you don't buy shit coins. It's just, if you can't get that, I, sorry, man, I can't help you. But I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.